Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Disciples House. Glad y'all could be here with us tonight. And uh, thank you for to Larry and Angela for coming and joining us. They're going to have a really good word for us. And uh, I hope y'all came expecting because it's going to be great. Amen. Uh, well, with that said, I guess uh, we do have a few people out tonight. Uh, as you know, graduation for Hayesville and, and for a few other schools. Uh, so there's a few people out, but they'll be with with us tomorrow and uh we're, we're gonna so we have the meeting tonight and uh tomorrow night at 10 or tomorrow morning at 10 sorry not not night no tomorrow morning at 10 and tomorrow night at 7 and then um sunday morning at 10 and sunday night at 6 so we get out a little bit earlier hopefully maybe i don't know yes exactly all right well let's pray for the service lord we thank you for for being here with us we thank you that that you come um, with the word just for us that we can hear tonight. And and we ask that you give um, Brother Larry and Angela the words that are just right for those that are here now and that those that are listening online. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings, and we know that you are here with us. We, we just love you, Lord, and we glorify you, and we're going to continue to glorify you, and we just thank you. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy, and you will not interrupt this service in any way, shape, or form. Down, uh, chains that, that, are, that are binding people will be broken. Heals, healing will be done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right. to you reverently, Father. Here at your feet I lay my past down my wanderings all my mistakes down and I am 
sing to you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We sing to you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. You are love. Glory, 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 glory. Praise your word. Let's sing. Let's sing to our Father God of his glory.
ಹೇಗೆ
we give you praise, Lord. Put your hands in praise. We give you honor. Glory be your name. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the eternal God, and you do dwell in us. And you fill us with your power and your grace, and we thank you for it. And, Father, we especially tonight thank you for your word, because your word leads us through life. Your word is our anchor in every storm. Your word is a light into our path. And I thank you, Father God, that your word will enlighten us tonight. I thank you that the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, is present in this place. I thank you that he will speak through my lips. He will think through my mind. And I thank you, Father, he will quicken the understanding of each one of us here, Lord, to understand where we stand in your timeline, Lord, and how near the return of Jesus is. And so I thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can be seated. It's so good to be back in Murphy among the beautiful scenery, the beautiful mountains. I don't want to drink somebody else's water. I believe you're all sanctified and holy, but <laughs> I'd still rather drink my own water. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to find a place to put this. Well, you've got your building finished. You were working on it the last time we were here. Hallelujah. So much more space. Wonderful. Big children's rooms, big nursery. Everything just is great. And I'm happy for all of you. Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about the soon return of Jesus. Now, I had no idea, your pa- well, I, I mentioned to your pastors at dinner, you know, what I was thinking about teaching, and they said, we've been studying the book of Revelation. Yes, so, you know, the Holy Ghost knows what he's doing. Yes, but I, I don't want to necessarily talk to you so much about future events yes. as I want to talk to you about what's happening right now right. and what has recently happened, happened leading up to now yes. that point us to the fact that Jesus is returning very soon. You know, when I was growing up in church, I grew up in a full gospel church, and we were always talking about the return of Jesus. I mean, something was probably said about it every week. The pastor preached sermons about it. We sang songs about it. But it seems like, you know, we were on the alert for the rapture at any time, at any moment. I mean, if we walked into a room and somebody wasn't there that we thought might be there, we started looking around for them and thinking, oh, dear God, I pray I didn't miss the rapture. We were careful about how we lived, and we were very aware of any sin in our lives because we did not want to be left behind when Jesus came. But, you know, in the last 30 or 40 years, I've heard very little talk about the rapture in the church, and that concerns me. It's almost as though people think that it's some way-off distant event, or they think that it's not that important. But the return of Jesus is all important. And if you don't think it is, just stay around for the tribulation and you'll find out how important it was because the things we've experienced with the coronavirus are nothing compared to what's going to happen during the tribulation. There's going to be plague after plague after plague that are 10 times, 100 times worse than what we've experienced with the coronavirus. And no government will be able to help because after the first first or second plague passes, they'll be out of funds to help anybody. 
The, the book of Revelation, as you've been studying, says all the seas, the rivers, the streams will turn into blood. Every living thing will die in the, in the sea. There will be widespread famine, mass, massive earthquakes, flaming meteors falling out of the sky and wiping out entire cities, earthquakes demolishing mountain ranges. I mean, it's going to be horrible. But thank God, <laughs> those of us that are believers will not be here for that. Christians who go with Jesus in the rapture won't be here for the tribulation. So we need to be teaching the church about the coming of Jesus and getting believers ready to meet the Lord when he comes. Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He was a man mightily used of God in the early 1900s. And he was known for his accuracy in the Holy Spirit. And he preached a sermon in Amy Simple McPherson's church in Los Angeles in 1927. And in that sermon, he said that at least half of all believers will be totally unprepared for the return of Jesus. Now, that's shocking, is it not? He said that before Jesus returns, in the days before Jesus returns, listen at this, there will be many Christians who believe that they can do whatever they want to do and God will look the other way. Does not that sound like a lot of teaching that's popular right now in many churches? At the time Wigglesworth was alive, it seemed almost impossible that half of all Christians would not be ready to meet the Lord when he comes. But now, living today, when I see how the world has invaded the church, changed the morality of a lot of believers in the church, I can see that that could be possible. Christians live much closer to God in Wigglesworth's day. That's why it's important that we study the subject of Jesus' return so that we can be prepared to meet Jesus when he comes. So let's begin by looking at some of the biblical prophecies of Jesus' return. I mean, how do we even know that Jesus is coming again? How do we even know that there's going to be a rapture of the church? Because the Bible is filled with promises and prophecies that tell us that. You know, I'm sure that most of us realize that there were many prophecies about Jesus' first coming. Very specific prophecies you know the city he would be born in the tribe of judah that he would come from the fact that he would be virgin born uh all all kinds of prophecies about how he would die and all of those prophecies have been 100 percent fulfilled but did you know that there are eight times more prophecies about jesus's second coming than they were about his first eight times more every new testament writer and jesus himself prophesied his return and almost all of those prophecies have already been fulfilled in fact some in very recent times that i'm going to talk about right at the end of the message like three weeks ago a major one took place so let's talk about some of the signs that his coming is near my grandmother was a devoted christian she and my grandfather were nazarene ministers and my grandmother was absolutely convinced that Jesus was coming in her lifetime. That's all she talked about. You know, she said, I'm going to be alive. I'm going to go up in the rapture. Well, my grandmother died when I was 15 years old. So what gives us reason to believe that Jesus would come in our lifetime? Because even though there are a multitude of signs prophesied about Jesus' second coming or his return, only two of the signs that I'm getting ready to talk to you about happened in my grandmother's lifetime. All the rest of the ones that I'm going to mention have happened in my lifetime. So let's look at those first two signs that happened while my grandmother was still alive. <clears throat> they have to do with Israel's restoration as a nation. All through scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the nation of Israel is symbolically identified with the fig tree. 
Jesus even told a parable in Luke chapter 13 comparing Israel to an unfruitful fig tree. So understanding the symbolism that links Israel with the fig tree, listen to what Jesus said in Mark 13, beginning with verse 28. Mark 13, beginning with verse 28. I believe they're going to be able to flash the scriptures up. Mark 13, beginning with verse 28. Uh, I use various versions, so they can just stick with one, and it'll be fine. Just maybe stick with the New King James or New King James. New King James will eliminate the these and the thous and the thuses and the, <laughs> all the stuff that we can't pronounce. <laughs> Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse 28. Jesus said, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly, I say to you, now listen to this, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Jesus said the generation that sees Israel, the fig tree bloom, will not pass away until his return. So we might ask, how long is a generation? 40 years? 70? 120? I mean, the Bible really gives all three of those as possibilities for a generation. But whatever it is, we're in it now. You say, how do you know that? Because of what's happened to Israel. It all started on December the 11th, 1917, when the British retook Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire, which was totally Muslim. They had controlled Jerusalem for 200 years. And on that day, Great Britain took control over what was called then Palestine, not the nation of Israel. There was no nation of Israel yet. This was the first step toward Israel, the fig tree, starting to bloom as a nation. That same year of 1917, the British government made a declaration called the Balfour Declaration uh, indicating their desire to see a nation created for the Jewish people to come back to. Up until that time, the Jews had been scattered in nations throughout the world with no nation of their own. Now, before I go further in this, I want to point out an interesting fact. When we see a major event taking place in Israel, we almost always see a corresponding major event taking place in the church. 1917, the idea was proposed that a nation would be created where the Jews could come back and have their own land. In 1917, that same year, Kenneth E. Hagan, Kenneth Hagan Sr., was born. And an angel appeared to his mother before he was born and said, Name him John. The angel said, Because as, as John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus' first coming, so your child will be a forerunner. She didn't, he didn't say the forerunner, but a forerunner of Jesus' second return. And from that humble man, and we're not exalting him, we're exalting what God did through the man. But through that humble man that came out of Texas, his biggest vision was that he would preach the gospel all over Texas. But thousands, hundreds of thousands of ministries and churches have either arisen through his ministry like ours did or have been heavily influenced by his ministry around the world. But let's get back to Israel. Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 30, beginning with verse 1. Jeremiah 30, beginning with verse 1. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, write in a book all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take possession of it. 
that prophecy of Jeremiah was fulfilled in 1948 when Israel was officially declared to be a sovereign nation. It was the first Jewish nation to exist in almost 2,000 years. During the same time that Israel became a nation, what happened in the church? 1967, or excuse me, 1948, the church experienced the Great Healing and Salvation Revival from 1947 to 1958. But even though Israel had been declared a nation, they had taken possession of their land, they had not taken full possession of the city of Jerusalem. It was divided in half. You had the Israeli section, and then you had the section that was controlled by the Muslim nation of Jordan. But Jesus prophesied in Luke 21 and verse 24, Luke 21, 24. We're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures tonight. Get, get your Bible exercise in. Luke 21, 24, Jesus said, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That prophecy of Jesus came to pass in 1967 when the Jews won the six, when Israel won the Six-Day War. That short Six-Day War saw a miraculous event happen when the, 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 the army of Israel defeated the combined armies of Egypt, Syria, and Jordan in just six days. I mean, if we had time, I could tell you about all kinds of events that took place where the enemy armies saw soldiers dressed in white with flaming swords. I mean, all kinds of things took place supernaturally so that Israel could win that war. And then they took full possession of Jerusalem in 1967. In that same year, 1967, does anybody know what happened in the church? The charismatic movement began that spread throughout all the denominations, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So Israel becoming a nation and Israel retaking Jerusalem were the only two signs that my grandmother lived to see. All the signs I'm going to share from this point onward have taken place in my lifetime. So let's look at another sign, the return of Jews worldwide back to Israel. Because when Israel was first declared to be a nation in 1948, only a million Jews actually lived in that, in that land. But as of 2022, 47% of the Jews around the world now live in Israel. It was prophesied in the Old Testament by Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12. It says, and he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel. See, when were they banished? They were banished in 70 A.D. when the Romans conquered Jerusalem. And from that point on, the Jews were scattered all over the world. And they did not start returning until 1948 when they became a nation. So he said, and he will lift up a standard for the nation and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather to disperse of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Amos also prophesied this event. In Amos chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. Amos chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. So Israel, the Jews, have been regathered to their own land in our generation. Another sign that's taken place is the restoration of the Hebrew language. This was prophesied by the prophet Zephaniah in chapter 3 of Zephaniah. 
that's way in the end of the Old Testament back there. Of course, you're probably just clicking it on the computer. But the prophet Zephaniah prophesied in chapter 3 and verse 9, For then will I return to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one voice. Do you realize that as, as recently as 100 years ago, nobody in the world spoke Hebrew? Many, or there were some, like the rabbis, they could read it, they could write it, but they did not speak it. But today, everyone in Israel speaks Hebrew. I visited Israel for the first time in 1979, and Larry went back with me. Uh, I forget what year, 2007, I think. Anyway, all the, all the signs, the street signs, the billboards, everything now is in Hebrew. It's required learning for the kids in schools. So Hebrew, the language, has been restored to the Jewish people in our day. Another sign that's been fulfilled in recent years, the return of the Ethiopian Jews to Israel. This was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 11. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 11. It says, In that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush. Cush is modern-day Ethiopia. The Ethiopian Jews were brought back to Israel from 1977 to 1985, but the biggest return of the Ethiopian Jews took place in 1991. Over 14,000 of them were airlifted in 36 hours. They said babies were being born on the plains as they were en route from Ethiopia to Israel. The Bible says that right before Jesus returns, God would bring them back. Here's another sign of the nearness of Jesus' return. The revival of the, Roman, the ancient Roman Empire. The book of Daniel, chapters 2 and 7, we're not going to go through all of that. I'll let your pastors do that. <laughs> but, but they contain the interpretation of a dream and a subsequent vision that was given to the prophet Daniel. Many Bible scholars believe that these, this dream and these, this vision predict a revival of the ancient Roman Empire in the last days. And this actually took place in 1993 when the EU was formed, the European Union was formed. And, you know, if you question whether or not the EU is the revival of the ancient Roman Empire that the Bible prophesies about that will give rise to the Antichrist, listen at this. On the two-euro coin of the nation of Greece, there is a picture of the woman from the book of Revelation chapter 17 and verse 3 riding on the back of the beast. There is a sculpture of that same thing, a big one, of the woman riding on the back of the beast outside the building housing the Council of Europe in Brussels, Belgium. The same image of the woman riding the back of the beast appears on many official EU documents and seals. The building that seats the EU, EU Parliament in Strasbourg, France, is modeled after a Renaissance painting of the Tower of Babel. And they actually have the slogan, many voices, one language. In other words, God divided it, we're going to put it back together. The big EU computer is named the Beast. Did anybody see the 60-minute a program on artificial intelligence. A pastor was telling us about that. It's unreal, unbelievable. In fact, the man that invented it 
regrets it now. He says this has the power to destroy humanity. They can take anyone's face anywhere in the world, no matter if they're speaking Chinese or whatever language, and they can form their mouth to say anything they want them to say in their native language or even in another language. I think the Bible talks about um, the enemy, Satan, giving, giving a mouth. It's either to the beast or the false prophet. I couldn't say for sure at this point. But, I mean, you can see now how all of that can happen. You know, it talks about the mark of the beast. Right now, in the Scandinavian nations, they are chipping people under their skin with all of their personal information, their credit card numbers, their medical information. And they're even talking about doing that to the U.S. military. I pray that they don't. But everything is being set up for the Antichrist to rise. And then look at the way the EU is pushing for a one-world government, a one-world currency, and a one-world religion. That is the exact platform from which the Antichrist will arise. But there's just too many things to be coincidences. I'm convinced that the EU is the, the, the ancient Roman Empire resurrected. Let's look at some more end-time signs. The blooming of the desert in Israel. Ezekiel prophesied it in Ezekiel 36, verses 8 and 9. Ezekiel 36, verses 8 and 9. It says, But you, mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. I am concerned for you and will look on you with favor. You will be plowed and sown. Isaiah said basically the same thing. In Isaiah 35, beginning with verse 1. Isaiah 35 beginning with verse 1. It says, The wilderness and the dry land shall be gladdened, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and shouting. One more Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah 27, verse 6. Isaiah 27, verse 6. It says, He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. When Larry and I went to Israel, first when I went in 79, and then when Larry and I went, I've got it here in 2007, that's right. Areas that had formerly been totally desert land were now blooming with beautiful crops. The Israelis had become masters of uh, hydroponics, growing crops in nothing but water. Of course, enriched water, but nevertheless, water. Today, Israel produces 95% of its own food and provides 90% of the fruit for Europe. Now, when we were missionaries living in Europe, we often bought fruit and, and vegetables and produce from Israel. Yeah, their grapes were big. <laughs> the animal world in Israel is also starting to point to the return of Jesus. Ezekiel chapter 47 prophesies that the Dead Sea will come alive again. Well, for centuries, there's been no life in the Dead Sea. But recently, fish have appeared in the Dead Sea. Now, Larry and I, when we were in Israel, we swam in, well, I say we swam, we went in the Dead Sea. You don't really swim in the Dead Sea. Uh, it is so salty that you absolutely cannot sink. There's pictures of people laying on their backs in the Dead Sea reading books. We, when we laid on our backs, we almost couldn't get our feet down again. That's, I mean, you had to struggle to get your feet down. That's how salty that water is. And it's so thick with minerals that it feels like oil on your skin. 
And yet there are fish that are now living in that water. I don't know how they're even processing that thick water through their gills and getting any oxygen out of it, but they are. It's a sign and a wonder. Since 2009, 172 varieties of flesh-eating birds have gathered in Israel. So what's the significance of that? In Ezekiel chapter 38, it predicts a war that will take place right after, right after the rapture. And the Bible says this about it, Ezekiel 39 and verse 4. Ezekiel 39 and verse 4. It says, you shall fall on the mountains of Israel, speaking to the invading armies coming, coming against Israel. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your hordes, and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. The next two signs of Jesus' return have recently appeared in the heavens. The first one you're probably most familiar with is the blood moons. Joel chapter 2, verse, beginning with verse 30. Joel chapter 2, beginning with verse 30. God says, I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. Now listen to this. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. In 2014 and 15, we had four blood moons, consecutive four blood moons. Do you know when they occurred? On the, pass, on the day of Passover and the day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Passover is the feast that points to when Jesus died for us. The Feast of Tabernacles is the feast that points to when Jesus will return for us. In between the first two blood moons and the last two, remember Joel said the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. In between the first two blood moons and the last two blood moons was a total solar eclipse when the sun turned into darkness. I can remember we were on our way back from a ministry trip and stopped at a restaurant in Arkansas, and one of the waiters had that special kind of glass, you know, that you could look through, and so he let us borrow it to see the total eclipse, and it did. It turned dark, as many of you know. Guess when was the last two times that four consecutive blood moons appeared on Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles? 1948, when Israel became a nation. 1967, when Israel regained control of Jerusalem. A coincidence? I don't think so. The second heavenly sign is the reappearance of the Bethlehem star. Remember, the wise men followed the star to the place where Jesus was. In 2019, for the first time in 2,000 years, the Bethlehem star reappeared when the star Regulus aligned with Venus and Jupiter. Here's another very significant sign. Everything is prepared for the animal sacrifices to start again in Israel. And this is supposed to happen during the tribulation. When, the, when I first visited Israel and then when Larry and I went, went back, you can go to a museum. It's called the Temple Mount Institute. <coughs> Excuse me. The family of Kohan, K-O-H-A-N, who are direct descendants of the Old Testament priest Aaron, have been working diligently, and they have everything that the Bible requires ready to reinstitute the animal sacrifices. They have the robes for the priests. They have all the implements, the, the lamps, the bowls, the utensils, everything ready. And it's on display. I mean, anybody can go by and see it. They've got it all ready. 
The only thing they were missing was a red heifer. It talks in the Old Testament about sprinkling the blood of a red heifer. They didn't have any in Israel. So a, a rancher in Nebraska started breeding cattle until he developed a red heifer. And then he shipped red heifers to Israel so they can breed their own there. So everything is in place. Everything is ready. Here's even more evidence that the Old Testament sacrifice, sacrificial system that will begin during the tribulation is very close to being started once again. It has to take place on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And for hundreds of years, the Temple Mount has been occupied by the Muslims. They have their famous uh, mosque there called the Dome of the Rock. I've seen it, been there. But a couple of years ago, for the first time in 2,000 years, water mysteriously filled up the ritual baths on the Temple Mount. Now, the ritual baths are where the, the, the priests will have to go and wash themselves before they go in to begin offering the sacrifices. When that happened, the Jewish rabbis began to declare the Messiah is coming. Now, the church has been declaring that for a long time. Now you've got the Jewish rabbis declaring the Messiah is coming. Of course, they didn't recognize his first coming, but they know he's coming. Three years ago, rabbis were allowed to actually go up on the Temple Mount and pray for the first time in 2,000 years. And then two years ago, priests were allowed to actually kill a lamb outside the Temple Mount. So the return of Jesus is very close, very close. He's coming soon. In light of these Bible prophecies coming to pass and the nearness of Jesus' return, what should we as Christians be doing? Yeah. First, we have to be aware of the times in which we're living and not act like we've got, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years left before Jesus returns. I don't believe that. We have to focus now on doing the will of God for our lives, whatever that is, for it'll be different for each one of us. First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32 says, The children of Issachar were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to be doing. Well, I mean, if men living under the old covenant that weren't even born again, that did not have the Holy Spirit living in them, could have understanding of the times, surely we as believers living under the new covenant with the Holy Spirit living in us, we should have understanding of the times and what we ought to be doing. We ought to be hearing from heaven to know what we ought to be doing right now. Second, we have to wake up from sleeping and awake other people. That's one reason I'm preaching this message. I believe the church has been lulled to sleep by false doctrines, by modern pleasures of every kind, and conveniences, and believers have become dull to spiritual things. Now, I don't mean every believer, but I mean as a whole, the church as a whole, especially in America, much more so than when I was growing up in church. Spiritual things have taken a back seat to television, uh, sports. I can't tell you how many Christian parents are keeping their kids out of church on the weekend to take them to various tournaments. What are they telling their kids? This is more important than being in church. We know one pastor, and he has a son. I guess he's pretty old by now. But he wanted his kid involved in sports, but he said, I need to find something that won't take my son out of church. So he got him involved in league bowling on Thursday nights. And the kid became a superstar bowler, from what I understand, started to win all kinds of awards. But see, it's up to us to shake ourselves, wake up, 
focus more on our spiritual life than our natural life and help other people do the same. Let me read you a couple of passages of Scripture that tell us these exact things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. It says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath. That is a reference to the tribulation. You can go back in the Old Testament and what happened. Before the, the flood came and destroyed the earth, God took Noah, who was apparently the only righteous man alive at that time, and his family and put them in the safety of the ark. So if he would do that for an old covenant man before destruction came, how much more would he do it for us, his own children? So God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, unfortunately, there are groups right now in in the body of Christ, many of them even spirit-filled, and they're teaching that we have to go through the tribulation. They don't understand the Bible. I mean, we are not the subjects of God's wrath. Jesus took the wrath of God for us to deliver us from wrath. Oh, let's look at another scripture. Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 24. Hebrews 10, starting with verse 24. It says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That does not mean sit at home and watch church on the Internet. That is not assembling. Now, listen, I'm not condemning those that are uh, unable to come physically, shut-ins and that kind of thing, but able-bodied people need to be in church. It says, as the manner of some is. And, you know, it seems like since COVID, people got real comfortable sitting at home in their jammies having coffee with Jesus and watching television. We're watching the, you know, the Internet. But that is not assembling yourself together. You say, well, what's the big deal? Okay, number one, nobody can lay hands on you when you're sitting at home. Number two, you're missing out on the corporate anointing. You're missing out on the fellowship with other believers. You know, we encourage one another. We lift each other up. That's right. You're missing out on, I heard one pastor put it this way. He said, Sometimes God doesn't speak to me about you until I see your face. Remember Paul said, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift. He said, sometimes I'll be ready to preach a message and certain person or people will walk in and the Lord will start talking to me about them. And sometimes I even change my message because of that. But the pastor can't see you when you're sitting at home. You need to get yourself in church and Keep your family in church. Your kids and their eternal salvation is more important than sports. It's more important. Some families will move to another city maybe to take a better job and they don't even investigate to see if there's a good church there to put their kids in church. I mean, the kids need to be in church. Not out. I mean, they get enough input from the world as it is. They need something to offset that. And, of course, the parents need to be putting that into them on a daily basis, but they also need to be in church to be taught the Word. Well, I'll get off my soapbox. But it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, what day is that? That's the day of Jesus' return. More important now than ever to go to church. Church shouldn't be an afterthought. It shouldn't be something we go to church if we can find the time in our busy schedule. Church should be the center of our lives. I can remember growing up, everything centered around the church and our family. Our friends were at the church, our fellowship, our social activities revolved around the church, everything. The church was the center of everything. Third, we must get sin out of our lives and live holy, watching for Jesus' return. Someone has said, if our expectation of Jesus' return isn't right, our living won't be right either. There's a clear connection in the New Testament between expecting Jesus to return and living a holy life. Second Peter chapter 3 beginning with verse 10. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all of these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation? That means lifestyle, but it could be how you talk and godliness. Jonathan Edwards was a famous preacher during the First Great Awakening here in the United States, and he determined never to do anything that he would be afraid to do if he expected Jesus to return within the next hour. That's a good way to live. My grandparents, I've already mentioned them, they were my dad's parents. They were, they were ministers, pastors. They actually started a church and built it with their own money, built the building with their own money. But when I was a child, my parents and my brother and I lived with them for a number of years, especially as they were getting older. And I can still remember a plaque that my grandmother had hanging in a prominent place in the house. And I read that plaque, you know, like every day. And here's what it said. Do nothing that you would not want to be doing when Jesus comes. Do nothing that you would not want to be doing when Jesus comes. And as a child, that had a great impact on me. I can remember as a kid, if I'd be doing something that I knew wasn't right, I'd start praying, oh, Jesus, please don't come now. Please don't come now. Forgive me. Forgive me. But I was living aware of Jesus' return, and that awareness was helping me stay out of trouble, stay out of sin. A healthy expectation of Jesus' return causes us to live holy and to live life with focus. Fourth, we should be praying. Do you know that the church can actually help to hasten the return of Jesus? You say, do you have scripture for that? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 11. It says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, speaking of the earth in that context, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Does it say that? Look at hastening, yes. Okay, that word hastening in the Greek, which we know that the New Testament was originally written in Greek, that word hastening is the Greek word spudo, from which we get our word speed. So it's, liter it's literal, hastening, speeding up the coming of the Lord. So you might ask, how can our praying speed up the coming of the Lord? Well, the only thing really that... that God is waiting for is a harvest of souls from the earth. And as we pray for revival and we pray for the salvation of the lost, we're helping to bring in that harvest of souls 
and therefore speeding up the return of Jesus. I especially urge you to be standing on Acts 16.31 for your family. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Larry was the first one to get saved in his family. His brother was on drugs like he had been. His parents weren't saved. His parents were divorced. And he began to stand on that verse. He said, I took hold of that verse and held on like a bulldog with a bone. And I would remind the Lord, Lord, you said... That if I believe on you, and I do believe on you, that I would be saved in my household. And now all of his family, well, except his brother. His brother is saved, but he's, his other members of his family are in heaven. But they got saved before they died. <clears throat> and finally, we should be personally reaching as many people with the gospel as we can. And unless the Lord changes it, I'm going to minister on, on personal evangelism at one of the other times that I minister. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The verses just before this verse talk about the rapture of the church. So in the light of the coming rapture, Paul's admonition to believers is to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, what is the work of the Lord? Doing the works of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He preached. Now, that doesn't mean you have to stand behind a pulpit and preach. You can share the gospel in a conversational way with other people. But Jesus preached. He healed the sick. He performed miracles. That's the work that we need to be doing as we look forward to Jesus' return. Jesus said it like this. And of course, he was speaking of himself, but this also applies to us in the day we're living. John chapter 9 and verse 4. John 9, 4, we must work the works of him that sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. And why should we do that? Because of 2 Peter 3, 9. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. Some people think, you know, even Christians, that the rapture is never going to happen because it's been so long time in coming. There's even teaching, you know, that there's not going to be a rapture. But he is patient, going back to the verse, he is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's why it's taken so long. God is, is desiring to give every person a chance to hear the gospel because it's not his will that any should perish. You know, the disciples lived with the thought that Jesus was coming in their lifetime. I think every generation of believers has believed that, but they have not had the signs that we've had in our generation. But what if the disciples had just stopped working and just sat around and waited for Jesus to come? Where would we be today? We'd be in, in hell or on our way there because we would have never heard the gospel. The great majority of us, that would be true of us. But the disciples understood that Jesus' soon return meant they need to be busy in his work. And right now there are so many saved people, but also unsaved, un 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 backsliders, people that used to know the Lord and they've fallen away from the Lord. I guarantee you there's people that used to come to this church and they don't go to church anywhere anymore. Who's reaching out to them? You're the best ones to reach out to them because you rubbed elbows with them. You know, they kind of expect the pastors to contact them, but what if you contacted them and said, hey, we really missed you. What's going on with your life? Why don't you come on back to church? I tell you what, I'll come get you next Sunday and bring you to church. 
take you out to eat afterwards. That's usually a good one. We used to say, we used to say overseas when we were had our churches in Czech Republic and Poland, if you feed them, they will come. I mean, every time we had a church dinner, people we hadn't seen in months would show up. So if you promise to feed them, they'll come. But these people who are backslidden, these people who are unsaved, if they don't get saved before the rapture, they're going to go into the tribulation. And they're going to face the horror of those years. The book of Revelation indicates that one out of every two people will not even survive the tribulation because the plagues and all the natural disasters will be so terrible. Yes, people can get saved during the tribulation. There's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists. There are going to be angels flying through the air preaching the gospel. But the problem is they are going to be so deceived. They are going to be so de- they're, they're going to be handed over to a reprobate mind. And they'll believe, you know, that artificial intelligence. They'll be believing whatever they hear. I mean, look right now. How much of the media can we actually believe? And it's going to be much worse than that, but very convincing. So people shouldn't think, well, you know, I'll just wait to the tribulation. I can probably get saved then. Likely not. And besides, who wants to go through all of that? That's craziness. So we need to do all that we can to reach them now and take as many of them as we can in the rapture when we go. If Jesus' return was thought to be close at hand in the days of the early church, It's right at the door now, especially considering all these signs that I've pointed out. I believe Jesus is coming very soon. I told you I was going to talk about something that happened just three weeks ago. And maybe you read about it in the papers or heard it on the news. But just three weeks ago, the four major nations that the Bible prophesies will group together and invade Israel in the Ezekiel 38 war right after the rapture. They met together in Moscow. Why did they meet together? to talk about arming their armies, more armament for their armies. Those nations are Russia, Syria, Iran, and Turkey. Well, Turkey's a member of the EU. That doesn't matter. They can get out just like they got in. Or so what? (laughs) You look what's going to happen with the EU. It's going to be the foundation for the Antichrist. So these nations are already talking about building up their armies. We need to shake ourselves. And wake up to the time we're living in. We could very well be the last ones that have the opportunity to reach people for Jesus. We need to be investing into the kingdom with our time, with our prayers, and with our finances. And we need to be busy doing the work of Jesus in our everyday lives. And we need to get sin out of our lives and live holy. Remember I said Wigglesworth preached that at least half of all believers would not be ready to meet the Lord when he comes. How about you? If Jesus came before this church service ended, would you be ready to meet him and avoid going into the tribulation? If you're not sure, you need to be sure tonight before you leave. Because it is so close, I believe it could happen at any time. So let's just bow our heads for just a moment. And I asked that question, but I'm going to ask it again. If Jesus came before this church service ended, would you be ready to meet him? Or would you remain here on earth and have to go through the tribulation? If you're not sure, I want to pray with you tonight so that you can be sure before you leave the building tonight. If that's you, you say, I'm not sure. Just lift your hand. I'll see it. And I want to pray with you. I'm just not sure if I would go or if I'd stay. 
anybody anywhere across the congregation. I'm just not sure. If your heart feels like it's about to pound out of your body, that's the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart saying, that's you, and you need to respond. I see that hand. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I'm not sure. I want to be sure. All right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to all pray together. But those of you that raised your hands, you pray this and you mean this from your heart, okay? Not just something that comes out of your head, not like a parrot just repeating what you hear. Let it come from your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I want to be ready when Jesus comes. You said in 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, Father, I confess my sin to you. Now, I want you to do this silently, not out loud. If there's anything standing between you and the Lord, or if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, just say this in your heart, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Or if there's some sin that's standing between you and him, you talk to him about it right now. Confess it to him and ask for your forgiveness. I'm going to give you just a moment to do that. Okay, all together now. Now, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I thank you that I'm restored into right fellowship with you. And if Jesus came tonight, I'm ready to meet him. And I thank you for the cleansing power of Jesus' blood that has washed me clean and put me back in right standing with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're all ready to meet him now. Amen. Now let's stay that way. <laughs> stay that way. Keep yourself in church. Read the Bible. Say, I don't understand it. Then get New Living Translation. Something you can understand. Read some of the Bible every day. Pray. It doesn't have to be, oh, thou most high. No, just talk to him in a conversational tone just like you would talk to your best friend. Tell him, tell him your problems. Tell him your joys. Share everything with him. Because he wants to be the major part of your life. Now, I had a, a, something to call out by the word of knowledge, but I believe you did too, honey. If you want to come on up and join me. You want to go first or you want me to? It doesn't matter. If you're having stomach issues or digestive issues, let us minister to you. We just got a good testimony in the first church that we went to on this trip. A young man had IBS. What is that? Irritable bowel syndrome. He had had that for years. And God healed him in that service. And he said, I have not had a flare-up since. He said, the doctor just took me off of all medication. Glory. So if you're having any kind of digestive issues or problems with your stomach. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Well, do you mind if I lay my hand right no, here? No, you take care of it. In the name of Jesus, 
I release the anointing flow through Pastor Robbie's body throughout her digestive system. I command this problem to be fixed, <laughs> healed, made whole. We forbid thank it you, Lord. That's right. No more. In Jesus' no more. name. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. That same anointing yep. that went into that young man goes into to Pastor Robbie. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Whole. Whole. We just saturate that area with the anointing That's right. in Jesus' name. Throughout the Thank digestive you for healing, system. working yes, in her yes, now. Yes. In that, that area. Anointing, in that Jesus anointing name. working. Working. Huh, working now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. You say, why are you leaving your hand on her so long? Just to allow that anointing to just saturate that area of her body. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Nendro Madaranda Eridias. Eridias Dojo. Thank you, Lord. Dos Dojo. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Lord. Do you mind if I put my hand here? <laughs> Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. I take authority over whatever's happening in this digestive system. I release the anointing to flow in this area of her body, saturating it, saturating it with the healing power of God. We say no more problems, no more, no more, no more. We cut it off in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Working. Thank you, Father. That anointing yes. working, working at the root, at the root, at the yes. root now. Yes, yes, In Jesus' name, we thank, thank you, you for it. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it. No more. No more in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm going to lay my hands on you. Yeah, I know. I've, 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 last several days, I've had some problems myself. In the name of yeah. Jesus, I release that anointing into Larry's body, into that digestive system. Anything that's wrong has to be corrected. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. It's mine. It's that's now. right. I have it now. No I'll more of you. this. No more of this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Everything you, Father. made yes, right. That's right. You just receive it. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, I had some other things concerning healing, but uh, Angela was talking about living right. I know in my own life, had I not had been... After I came back to the Lord, uh, had I not gotten filled with the Holy Spirit immediately, uh, it would have been very difficult. I'd been a drug dealer and a drug addict for 13 years and just horrendous life. And the Lord just gave me a, a package deal all at once. I got restored, healed, delivered, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit and that really helped me. That helped keep me all these years. Uh, and, you know, some people think that uh, when you're born again, you've got it all. You don't. When you get born again, you're born of the Spirit. But then, you know, when Jesus raised up from the dead, 
and he breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Then he said, you wait here in Jerusalem until you, you be filled and do with power from on high. And they went to the upper room, and all 120 that was in that upper room got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you're born again and you haven't experienced that, you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, tonight's your night. I'm telling you, it will, it will just ignite what God is doing in your life. The ability to pray in other tongues. Someone desires to be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could you put Acts 19.6 up? It said when Paul laid hands on them, we're not Paul, but the same Holy Spirit that anointed Paul anoints us because there's only one. Mm -hmm. He said when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You're born again, right? Jesus is your Lord, and you desire <laughs> this gift. So what we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on you, and when we do, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and give you that ability to speak. But she encountered something. We were in Kentucky. somewhere in Kentucky. Tell her. And uh, some little ladies came up to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I asked the Lord, I said, because they, they were elderly, and they had grown up in a full gospel church, but for some reason, probably wrong teaching, had not been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, show me what to tell these little ladies. And here's what he told me. He said, it says in my word that if anyone asks the Father for the Holy Spirit, that he will give it to them. So we're going to ask him to fill you, and he's going to do his part. And his part is to give you the language. But your part is to speak it. In other words, he's not going to come on you and make you move your lips and tongue. You'll have to speak it. And you might say, well, what will it sound like? It will just sound like syllables to you. It won't be anything you've heard before. It won't be like his language. It won't be like my language. He'll give you your own individual language. And the thing that really set these little ladies free, I think they were so afraid they were going to make a mistake. And he told me to tell them, after we ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit, anything you say after that that is not English or some other language you've learned will be right. You absolutely cannot make a mistake because he is faithful to give you the language. So whatever you begin to speak will be the language that he's giving you. So you can't go wrong. The only way you can miss it is to stand there like this. Or to say, thank you, Jesus, like, and, and talk in English. Or, or a known language yeah, that like you, you know. Studied like Spanish you or studied something. Spanish or something. So we're going to pray and ask him to fill you. And he's going to do your part. And you're going to do your part. And you're going to leave this place tonight filled with Amen. the Holy Spirit with your own prayer language, okay? So, Father, we thank you. Our sister has come to be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She's so born again. Now She's your Jesus child. Thank and we you, thank Father. you now that you, you give, give her, her that language in the and the Spirit. ability to speak in other tongues in Jesus' name. So, just, just begin to speak. It'll just be like syllables. It'll just sound like syllables. That's it.
I release the anointing in the You've revealed this. Now, I thank you, Father, hands. that you heal it. I command any form of arthritis no or inflammation to go in, these joints. in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If there's thank any you, kind Father. of fluid buildup on this knee, I command it to drain That's off. That's right. If there's cartilage that needs to be replaced, I release the anointing to grow that cartilage. We thank you, Lord, for freedom of movement in her hands and in her knees without pain, without in Jesus' name. Free. Thank you, Lord. Free from stiffness Thank you, Lord. any Thank you, Lord. in Jesus' yes, name. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Now Thank move you, it some. I'm going to... Was there pain in any area when you came up? Yeah. What about now? No. no. Thank you, Lord. How about Thank your hand? You, Lord. Move that some. It feels good? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Glory. Is it in a certain place? Okay. Okay. May All I right. put my hand on I didn't hear what name? you said about your back. In Jesus' name. Okay. Thank you, Father. Okay. No more stiffness. That's right. The in anointing Jesus works name. at the root of these areas. That's it. Now, in Jesus' name. Yes. I thank you, Father, that every disc and vertebra goes in place and stays in place. Yeah. If there's Thank anything you, rubbing against or pressing working, on a nerve, I working, command it to your move. Your anointing's working. In Jesus' name. Thank working. you, Father. I command every nerve to calm down. Calm down in the name of Jesus. Do not send signals of pain in Jesus' That's name. That's right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank, Thank you, Father. You're working. You're working in these areas in Jesus' name. Okay. Father, I thank you for disc regeneration yeah. in this back. We Total had a lady restoration. in Dodge we City, Kansas, now God put a new in disc Jesus in name. her back when the doctor confirmed it. Thank you, Lord. Disc regeneration, no bulging, no herniated discs. In Jesus' name, we thank you thank for you, it, Thank you, Father, Lord. for a creative miracle. Yes, thank you, Lord. A creative thank miracle. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. In the uh, name of Jesus. Could we just get you to sit in the chair, just right here, and sit all the way back with your back up against the back part of the chair there? I'm going to lift your legs up. Now tell him if it hurts at all. Don't let it. Yeah. That left leg, or is that? That's right, left. <laughs> leg grow yes. in, in Jesus', Jesus name. name. Grow. Even out. Even grow out, even out in Jesus name grow in Jesus even name out in the name of Jesus leg grow yes thank you Lord in Jesus name thank you Lord same length left leg grow same length in Jesus now name. in Jesus name thank you for it father grow thank you Lord thank you Lord grow it's stubborn it's being slow no, oh it's it's that's it's it getting there that's it getting there thank you Lord Did you feel thank that you. <laughs> it 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 wasn't much. It was only about that much. I've seen them grow that much before. I'll help you. Now the knee, drop work it some. Something cracked, snap. It's like Rice Krispies up here. <laughs> How does it feel? Good. Now, did you have pain when you came up? Okay. How about the back? Is there any way you moved that would normally cause pain? 
Well, stiffness, go. Yeah. Go in Jesus' name. Every bit. Whatever's causing it, I release the anointing to the root of it. Command it to be corrected. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Freedom of movement without stiffness or pain. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Move some more. <laughs> Giving Watusi lessons up here. Is it good? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I have uh, pain and stiffness in my uh, right knee. Right knee. Right knee. In the name of Jesus. That's right. In Jesus pain, name. leave now. Cause of the pain. In be Jesus' name. If there's any arthritis, any form of inflammation, if cartilage needs to grow there, we release the anointing. I command to make this it need so. to be loose. Yes. No more stiffness. Fluid no more pain. Drain, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Fluid balance in this knee as it should be. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. No inflammation. Working. No inflammation. Working. Muscles, ligaments, tendons. Be normal in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 Bend it some. Feels good. Now, Thank what you, about Lord. the pain? Very little. Very little. You don't want to keep it, do you? No. Okay. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Every go. Bit. Every, every bit. bit now. Every bit. That every which little you started, last Father, vestige of pain. Has that which to go. you started. We thank has you. To go. You finish it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' thank name. You, pain, you can't stay. Thank you, Lord. That's right. You're an alien, and you can't stay <laughs> in this body. <laughs> In Jesus' name. <laughs> alien. I think that's the first time I've ever heard him use that terminology. You're an alien. Well, it's true. Doesn't belong. Did I get it? Yes. All of it? Thank you. Lord. Okay. Thank, thank you, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just kind of accidentally learned how to do this, and it just really comes from listening to on the inside when you're ministering to people. And by the way, we keep our mics on because you can do the same thing. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said you can do the same thing. And sure. Mark 16, believers lay hands on the sick. John 14, 12, Jesus said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also in greater works than these shall you do. Are you a believer? Well, Jesus said you could do the works that he did. Jesus didn't said, lie Jesus about it. Jesus said you could do the works that he did. But we have to get in agreement with him. Yeah. We have to say, Jesus, you said the works you do, I can do also. So I say the same thing. I can do the works you told me to yeah. do. I can do your works. And just in our studies, you know, and you, you look in the four Gospels and the book of Acts, and they never asked God to do something that, that Jesus paid for. They commanded. In Jesus' name. They, they spoke to things in the name of Jesus, and they have to obey because we've got authority. we got the same authority he did. It's, he gave us the authority for us to use. But it doesn't work for everybody. What I mean by that is not everybody works it. It works for those that work it. It works for those that work it. You believe it, and you work it. Uh, we knew a guy. He's, he said, uh, the Lord started dealing with me about, was it blind eyes or deaf ears? I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know who I'm oh, talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Blindness. 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 And he said, uh, I prayed for about 200 blind people before I ever saw a blind eye open. But once the first one did. But once the first one did, he said it's just Everyone like that. Everyone from then on out. 
blind eyes open. You know, and with us, if anyway, thank you, Lord. Did you <laughs> did you have anything else? No, not no, tonight. No. I think I preached a long time, so. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Lord. We need to know these things. Thank you, Lord. 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 A brain injury. Well, let's get Jesus working on that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for total restoration. Yes, I agree. Total restoration. You've already paid for this, Jesus, and there's no need for her to suffer with it any longer. Amen. Total restoration. I command the neural pathways to yeah. be restored in Jesus' name. Anything that happened as a result of that injury, yeah. we say it's reversed now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You're working. You're working, causing total restoration. Yes. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise, yes. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You've already paid for this. And now that anointing is causing total restoration yes. in your mighty name. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Now your job is every time you think about it, just say, thank you, Lord. My brain is restored. Yeah. My brain is restored. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I like praying for people. I get a buzz. You know, that's why I like drugs when I was a drug addict. I like the buzz. But with this when you wake up in the morning and you're not Woo. sick at your stomach. And Man. You know, sometimes I feel things when we pray for people and other times I don't. But it doesn't matter. But uh, whew, I like it. Yeah, we prayed for our landlord and landlady yeah. in Prague, Czech Republic, and neither one of us felt a thing. We walked out of the hospital. She had cancer, and the doctors had given her six months to yeah. live. And we walked out of the hospital, and I just kind of looked at him. I said, did you feel anything? He said, no, did you? No. Next day, they couldn't find the tumor. Yeah. So you don't have to feel anything. The power of God will still work. I mean, we don't feel the electricity going through this room, but that doesn't mean it's not flowing. Uh, we learned something in, in that. I think we've told you this before, but I see some new faces here. Uh, we went to the hospital. Uh, we went and got her out of the ward. She's in the ward with about 12 other women, women in socialized women. medicine. We don't want that here. But no. anyway, we took the, our check Bible and we asked her to read Mark 16, 15 through the end of the chapter. And she says, but I don't believe. And we heard ourselves say, well, I heard you say. <laughs> that uh, you don't have to believe because the Bible says the believers, and we said we're believers, we'll lay hands on the sick, we're believers, we qualify, you're sick, you're qualified, all we need is your permission. We laid hands on her, and as far as we know, she's still alive today. And it's because of the Word of God, it's not because we're some superstar preacher or something. 
It's because the Word of God works when you work it. Yes. The Word of God works for every believer yes. if you will work it. You know, Brother Hagin used to tell the story about a farmer. And this farmer had a tremendous healing and miracle ministry. And uh, Brother Hagin always wanted to meet him, and finally he got the chance to. And so he asked this old man, he said, so, so what do you attribute your, your healing ministry? He said, I'm sure that gifts of the Spirit operate through you, right? And the old man said, well, they do. I don't know it. He said, well, I'm sure you, you feel an anointing when you lay hands on people. Well, I do. I don't know it. And so he said, well, then how did all this happen? And the man said, well, I just read Mark 16. said, believers lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And he said, a neighbor in the farm next door was sick. I went over and laid hands on him. He was healed. And he said, other neighbors heard about it, and I started ministering to the neighbors, even some of their farm animals. Yeah. God cares about people's farm animals. I mean, they depend on them for their living. But anyway, people started coming from other cities, and before you know it, he had a full-blown healing and miracle ministry by op just acting on yeah. Mark 16. Yeah. Believers lay hands on the sick. They recover. It works. It works. Well, you can take us home. Via the CDs back there, there's lots of them back there. We're not going to focus way. on any one. Angela's got a book on private worship. Uh, we've got an email sign-up list. If you want to find out what's going on in our ministry on a regular basis, we send it out. Once what? every two months. Once every two months. Just sent one out. And then uh, this past year and also this coming year, we were part of a missions Bible school. Uh, we taught the same subjects that we taught uh, when we had our Bible school in the Czech Republic and Poland, but uh, they teach a lot of practical stuff about missions, and then they take people into the mission field, uh, and mission they trips. do crusades, and they go into schools, and there's a brochure back the there villages. about the schools, so you can Best mission school I've ever heard anything about, Yeah, and I've been in churches and Bible schools all my life. And That's we've known these people for quite some time. Good, and practical stuff seen, I wish we had known when we yeah, went to the mission field. They've seen a couple, two point something million people, couple, I think, come to Jesus million people in 25 years. Saved, and they get sign-up lists. They don't just guess. People fill out cards yeah. after they get saved. Well, thank you. We'll see you guys in the morning. You didn't have anything else, did you, no, sweetheart? No, uh -huh, not tonight. See you at 10 a.m. You got it. I don't think it is. Is it not? Is it on? Okay, cool. Okay. I just wanted to share two things before we do our offering our tithes and offerings if you if we're your local church because i know people bring you know you guys know we do tithes every service if you have them uh but all of the meetings will be taking up and offering every service um and everything that comes in other than your tithe so if it's your tithe just mark on their tithe everything else that comes in over the next uh five meetings tonight the next four meetings every bit of it goes to the keatons every bit of it does um god's taking good care of the church, and so uh, just mark it. If you're writing checks, you can write that out to DHEM, and uh, we'll give you the rest of that information. But before I do, I just wanted to share two things because 
the last thing that Miss Angela said as far as, you know, we're so close to Jesus coming is we need to evangelize. And that can be very intimidating for a lot of people. But I heard Pastor Jill Hodges, I think it was this week or maybe the week before, she was talking, she had been reading about uh, Brother Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth, and uh, she had read that he would um, just go and sit at the park. And of course, now you have to understand, Smith Wigglesworth was, he dedicated, like if he ate food, he, he read his Bible. You know, he, he spent time in the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. And we, and, and we can do the same thing. If we'll get right with God and dedicate our time to God, God will anoint us too. Um, but he talked, he said in this, in this uh, write-up that she was reading about him that he would simply go to the park bench and sit on the bench at the park and, and people would come and sit next to him. And under his breath, he would just begin to pray, Father, convict them. Father, speak to their hearts. Father, convict him. And he just sit there just kind of muttering to himself, just talking to God, just convict him. And he said in, in just a very short period of time, these people would just start to just surrender to God right there on the park bench. They'd strike up a conversation with him, and he'd lead them to the Lord right there on the park bench. But it just started with him just saying, Father, just convict them. Father, just open their hearts. Father, just, and, and, and they didn't know. They had no idea that Smith was praying them into the kingdom just sitting next to them. So it can be very easy, very, very easy, just easy, uh, and, and just be prepared. Uh, we went to dinner last night, and um, bless her sweetheart, the young lady uh, that waited on us, immediately, as soon as we sat down, she said, she looked at Miss Ann, and she said, I know you. And uh, we, well, yeah, Mom and I both recognized her. We thought we were pretty sure, and partway through the meal, we kind of were like, yeah, that's where we know her from. Uh, we had both ministered to her in the detention center. And then we got to the end of the meal, and uh, uh, Brother Larry took care of the bill, and Pastor Mike said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of her. The Lord told me to take care of her. And he put a wad of money on the table for her under the, under the tray, and she came over, she, and she came over to pick the stuff up just to check on us one last time. And in the middle of the restaurant, she walked up and boldly said, I know where I know you from. I know you from the jail. You ministered in the jail. And she began to declare, you know, that she's uh, she's been clean for a year, and she's got it together. She's doing good. And, I mean, we had a good time rejoicing with her. And uh, then she said, oh, do I need to bring you all change or something? And uh, we looked at her and said, well, no, that's from Jesus. And she just started to weep and cry. I mean, how much, you know, that's just a testimony to the people around us as well. And uh, and And so just know. It, you know, just be obedient to the Lord. Just be obedient to the Lord. And then the last thing the Lord told me to, to uh, share, and I don't share this unless the Lord gives me permission. I do not share this unless the Lord gives me permission. When the Lord called Michael and I into ministry 21 uh, years ago in 2002, um, he, was, he, he was actually fighting fire, and, and the Lord just dropped it in his heart. Uh, but I was at camp meeting with... Uh, Dad Hagen's camp meeting, Kenneth E. Hagen's camp meeting there in Tulsa. And I was just praising. I was talking to the Lord about natural children. And I had a vision. He caught me up. And, I, I mean, he just showed me things in the future. I didn't realize it was future until later. Um, but what I saw was a coliseum full of people. There's a huge platform, and it reminded me of Dad Hagen's. In fact, in the vision, I thought it was his platform. And I realized later that it wasn't because I thought, well, Lord, because I saw myself in a vision, I thought, well, Lord, I'm older 
there than I am now. <laughs> and the man on the pulpit, on the platform doesn't look much older than dad now. So that can't be dad's platform. And, uh, and, and that's when God said, well, I'm calling you into ministry. You're starting youth ministry. There's some other things that went on, but at the tail end of this, right before I freaked myself, right before it hit me what the Lord had called me into and I jumped myself out of the vision, uh, right before that, I actually saw in the spirit, I saw heaven come down to the earth and I saw the heavens roll back. And just as I was jumping myself out of this thing, I saw the church go up and out. So we're close. We're close. We're extremely close. I know uh, some people think within the next two to three years, and it could be. I know some people are looking at timelines and saying 10 years. You know, but our spirit will know. Our spirit will know when we get right there at it. Um, but, but we don't have time to waste. And that's why God called us and said, uh, we're called, this ministry is called to prepare people for the return of Christ. That's what we're here for. That's why God connected us to them, because even though we didn't get to go to Ramah, we, we've got the same vision. We've got the same mandate they do. Praise God. Uh, and, and it's because God is very, very close. And the other thing that God reminded me of is when we started Disciples House, those of, us that, those of you that were here in those first few months, you'll recall I said by the Spirit, God said we have 10 years. We had 10 years. And I said, now, I don't know fully what that 10 years means. I don't know if 10 years means that's when we're really going to see the big move of God or if that's when Jesus is coming back or if we're going to be right there at the cusp. I don't know. But this 10-year mark is very important. And the Lord said, when I was sitting there, he said, remind them of the 10-year mark. We're three and a half years into the 10 years. So we're right there at it, y'all. So just remember, we're right there at it. So we want to... uh, you want to bless, and you've got a mic, so I don't right. guess you need this. But uh, you want to bless, so we'll get ready to, to uh, bless the Keatons if our usher will come. And uh, if you'll pray, we'll uh, bless them for sure. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for being here with us, and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the word that we've received. Uh, it falls on good ground, and it will not go to the wayside. It will, it will grow and bear fruit in our lives and the lives those, of those we come in contact with because we will share that word. We will share that word faithfully, Lord, because you have commanded us to. We will share with everyone we meet and everyone that gives us the opportunity, we will share. And we will let them know that you are coming and that they better be ready. And if they need to, we'll lead them to the Lord because God doesn't want anyone to not be there in the end. And we thank you, Lord, for, for this for your mercy and your grace and and the fact that you gave your son so that we'd have a way, so that we'd have a way not to be left behind. And Lord, we we give with a, we just love you and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why we give into your kingdom. We give generously because we love you and because you, you told us to. And we know that you will bless us and that you will bless this offering, that it goes further than we could ever ask, hope, or think. And that you will bless us so that we can be a bigger blessing. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. Go, ministering angels, go and cause increase to come to the people in Jesus' mighty name. You may serve the people. We thank you for increase. Those of you that had hands laid on you for healing tonight, if you do not have the mini book on how to keep your healing, you come see me and let me get it to you. 
uh, because the number one way that people lose their healing is in the counterattack. When the symptoms kind of try to come back on you, you got to know how to respond to those symptoms so that you don't take that package of sickness back. Uh, so make sure you come see us and let us get that book into your hands. It's just a really short teaching. But other than that, we will uh, be back at 10 o'clock in the morning, ready, prayed up, ready to receive, spiritual antennas up, ready for what the Holy Ghost has for us. Amen. Thank you very much, Brother Larry and Miss Angela, for coming. And uh, you guys have a good night. Okay. All right. No, just that my knee doesn't hurt at all. Oh, your knee doesn't <laughs> hurt at all. Praise God. Okay.